Welcome to another episode of Where in the Folk. Today I'm joined by my wife, Amanda uh, Tully, as always, and Ms. Hadley Thorne from Weird Realities. How's everybody doing? Good. Splendid. Good. Good, good. Today, what in the folk are we talking about today, Tully? <laughs> talking about soul selling. Soul selling. Today we're discussing the legend of making packs with the devil. <laughs> I feel like this is a kind of it kind of a continuation of the 27 club stuff. It leads straight back into it. Um it's all intertwined. I was kind of curious because I've always wanted to sell my soul to the devil. So I wanted to track it down to the beginning <laughs> origins and see exactly how it started. The earliest I could find was a fellow by the name of Theophilus of Ardania. But before we get started, let's talk a little bit about what a pact with the devil is. I love how you said Theophilus. It's Theophilus. <laughs> Some of these names are going to be mispronounced. I'm Theophilus. just going to say that. Ain't that how you pronounce it? Theophilus? Oh. Let, me, let me see what you're looking at. H-E-O-P-H-I-L-U-S. The, the, Theophilus. Theophilus. Let's just call him Theo. I'm going to call him Theo. Theo. Yep. <laughs> Individuals who make pacts with the devil have also, they also have to promise something up in return. This can be to kill or consecrate, consecrate children to the devil at the moment of birth. It can be um, to have sexual relations with demons. And the one that we're most familiar with is offering your soul up for the devil for all eternity. The pact can either be oral <laughs> or written. Oral. <laughs> Tully, do you know how you make an oral pact with the I prefer devil? oral to written personally. You know, I, I I guess I'll start out by saying that I'm kind of skeptical of, of soul selling in general. Like I I think there are things that you can do, um, like killing people or sacrifice, but I don't know that you could, I don't know that it's possible to sell your actual soul. I don't know, Hadley, what do you think? I think that you just loaded this question because, you know, I live in Mississippi and Robert Johnson sold his soul at the crossroads to the crossroads demon. Yeah. yeah, but I guess to I guess what I'm getting at is like, you know, in in everything that we've studied, I mean, I would assume that you guys believe in some form of reincarnation at this point. Oh yeah, for sure. So, if you were to sell your soul, then how the people keep, you know, coming back and coming back and coming back? Maybe those are those empty people that we see. Yeah, the people like NPCs. That that might be why we're running into so many NPCs now like people sold their soul over time for, mm -hmm. for stupid stuff and now there's just ain't enough souls to go around yeah well i do believe in the ability to sell your soul to the devil i think that um people can do it and i think that that is what opens up possession um you are basically yeah i don't know i find it i find it interesting to think about just because like you know, there's that video with Juice World, the rapper, where he is literally selling his soul, is what he said he's doing. Yeah. But I'm just like, you know, because a lot of people think that the devil, you know, is here on earth. Like, oh, and the, you know, the Bible also, I believe, refers to Lucifer as 
like earth is his dominion. So it's like, if he already can make plays happen, you know, it seems like your soul in the grand scheme of things would be nominal comparatively to, let's say if I'm the devil and I, I can choose between your soul to get what you want, or I could make you collect souls for me. It would seem like a better option to just like with all the, the child sacrifice and stuff that we talk about, it would be a much more beneficial. Like if that's what you're looking for is just souls yeah, to have like a, you know, child killing farm or something like make you do that instead of just taking your soul. I'm not, I'm not tracking. Well, it's like playing chess and not checkers. So if you like, if you came to me and said that you wanted the world's most famous podcast and I could either take your soul or in order to get the world's most famous podcast, I told you, you had to go out and sacrifice a child every six months. Yeah. Okay, but my point on that would be, but could you really, would you really be harvesting the child's soul or are you really just bartering yours? Well, that's, that would be. Because the child is innocent. And I mean, if you have free will, then the child is not giving up its soul. It's just going to be reincarnated. But you, on the other hand, are dealing and, you know, you're giving more and more of what makes you human or, or whatever you are to, the, um, to, to be in league with it. Would it be about the blood then more so than the soul? I mean, it, there's a reason people sacrifice children, right? Is probably yeah. because of their innocence. Wow. That's, for the draining yeah. gland, for the draining gland I think. Well, I, I don't know because to, again, this is you know, y'all all know I write stuff because I'm weird, but um, I think that it's more about not only the pain and suffering that you're causing the child, but the pain and suffering you're causing every person who touch is touched by the life of that child. And you're creating this, you know, you're creating an opportunity for that, that kind of trauma for possession too. Well, yeah. Open up. It it up a door. It opens up many doors. It's like a pyramid scheme for the devil. I mean, you know, the devil's MLM, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you're, you're looking at, um, you're not you, when people are depressed and they fall into a depression they're very susceptible to things so would they be more susceptible to selling their soul or the, getting to a place where all their goodness is gone and there's nothing left the devil ain't selling beach body <laughs> so when it, when it comes to the types of ways that you can sell your soul though they have the oral um which we've oral. identified as our favorite an oral pact may be made by the means of in, in, invocations, conjuring. Do you think there's crossroad demons like in Supernatural? Probably. Yeah. Yes. Like crossroad salespeople? You know how I feel about the devil is that the devil is just another Christian god. 
you know, because without yeah. the without the Bible, you're you're not going to have the devil. Yep. But in every mythology and mythos, you have angelic beings, um, and that's so. That's also you have demonic. So to me, it makes more sense that there are demons at the crossroad than it's the devil. I think again, it's kind of like when I was talking about Bigfoot last night that I think there's a lot of stuff in the woods, and we just call it all Bigfoot. Yes, I think people are very quick to say something is the devil when it's just something that's you know infernal. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think you know my my research on this kind of stuff has kind of went like to the the far reaches of history, but there's a theory that that who we call Lucifer is the God of many names, which was also Apollo, Saturn, Nimrod, you name it. Um, so the oral is an oral pact that you may be made by the means of inv- invocations, conjurations, or rituals to attract the demon. Once the conjurer thinks that the demon is present, the person must ask for a favor and offer their soul in exchange. And once the deal has been sealed, it's sealed with a witch's mark. Have you ever seen the witch's mark? No. It looks pretty cool. But anyway, written <laughs> written is another way. It roughly contains the same elements to summon the demon, but includes a written act, which would who have thought that. Um, this shall be signed in the conjurer's blood so we, or, or baby's blood, for instance, like going back to what you were saying, why they would sacrifice babies. Um, however, the, you, you the can, witch's uh, mark is just gematria, right? Yeah. However, you can use animal blood, and if you're super soft, you can rock out some red ink, is basically what they said, which I don't see how red ink would have the same like feel as blood. Would you? No, I don't either. No, there's no way that you could. That's really... just somebody trying to make themselves feel better. There's power in blood. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's, there's a reason, like all the holy texts talk about, you know, life's blood and blood this and blood that. It's a vital component. I well, was a if... weird. I'm so sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was a weird kid, and sometimes I would rot in blood on my homework when I was real little like in like third grade put little hearts and smiley faces in blood Uh, it it was really nothing it was just markings you sold your soul to the system I found them (laughs) my teacher gave them to my mother (laughs) I found them years later I was like oh I vaguely remember doing that so I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to track down the earliest person I could find that in history actually sold their soul to the devil. Did you find anybody that sold their soul earlier than the sixth century? No, actually, the first person I'd ever heard of was Paganini. Paganini. Yep. Well, there was a saint, and I'm I'm mispronounced his name for sure, but we said it earlier. I'm gonna call Theo. Him, I'm gonna call him Theo for this. He was a He's a he was also known as a Theophilus of Ardania. And at the and for the purpose of this, like I said, I'm gonna call him Theo. He was a cleric who roamed the streets of Turkey in the sixth century. It said that Theo made a pact with the devil to gain I don't even know how to say that exocentrical <laughs> positions. <laughs> the legend goes as follows though. He was um 
He was elected to be bishop, but ecclesiastical. Ecclesiastical. I still can't say it. I even, Hadley, I even um, put the pronunciation there. Like, <laughs> I still can't say it. Well, I wouldn't even try. <laughs> so basically, he was elected bishop, but out of humility, he turned the position down. So some other dude whose name I literally could not find, he was he was elected, he he took the position instead, and using malice and unfounded rumors, removed Theo from his position as archdeacon. So Theo, of course, regretted his decision and decided, and so he summoned a neck. He got in contact with a necromancer to ask for help to contact Satan. Theo's request was a simple one. He wanted position as a bishop. Satan agreed upon the terms as long as Theo renounced Christ and the Virgin Mary. So Theon signed in his own blood, and the deal was done. Anyway. So um, after all, everything went through and Theo began to get fearful, you know, that, so he started like, oh God, I'm going to actually go to hell for this. So he, he repented and he wanted to repent so bad that he fasted for 40 days until he seen the Virgin Mary, which I would call that hallucinating. Would yeah. You? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hallucinating for sure. Well, Mary <laughs> showed up to him and she scorned, she scorned him real bad. And like, you piece of shit, you sold your soul to the devil. You know, you ain't getting into heaven. But anyway, <laughs> so what happened next? He just kept begging and crying and whatnot. So she promised she would speak with God. And he took her at a word and he fasted for another 30 days. So 70 days he fasted. And after this, Mary appeared to him again and granted him absolution. However, Satan was unwilling to release his hold over Theo. And so Theo woke one day to find the contract on his chest. So he was scared beyond shitless. Theo scrambled his way to the legitimate bishop and confessed all they done. The bishop burned the document. And this was before Satan had fireproof paper. And Theo died out of sheer joy from being free of the burden of his contract. So what I think this was... He probably went to a necromancer because I'm sure there's necromancers everywhere in the sixth century. Would you agree? Yeah. I struggle with this one a little bit. And I, I'm being more skeptical today because I, we don't have anybody like that <laughs> 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 that we usually have. But here, here's the what I'll throw out for, for food for thought. Why would the devil give a shit about this guy compared to other people asking for stuff influence not that yeah. much influence like just a random bishop a you bishop. know what i mean like why not tempt the king or something a bishop would have been influential in the sixth century a bishop was very influential to his area more so than a king yeah with the little yeah. people right yeah you gotta think you gotta think of like spread the word the king wasn't going out and meeting people every day no the bishop you know was the bishop could promise promise absolution on a level that many people would never make it to see the king about and did i miss he, he never got to be the bishop did he he did yeah the devil made him the bishop he got his he got his he got what he wanted after he sold his soul but then he became got fearful that he's actually going to go to hell. So that's when he started trying to repent and everything. I think whenever the 
Bishop burned the contract and he died out of sheer joy. It was just the devil taking him. It could be. Uh, so why do you think that he answers some people's calls and not others? I think it's the influence that you may have. Like, um, well, but you're, it's, it's all about what you're asking for. Like this guy wasn't shit. He was just asking to be something. Yeah. Well, no, he was a bit, he was the archdeacon of the area. So he still had influence. It's interesting to me that out of the people that we have, you know, we know that have sold their soul, 90% of them are musicians. Yeah. Right. So, well, is that just that we know of? I mean, are they just the ones who have to talk about it? Or I, th- I think the reason that he, musicians are targeted is is because the songs are spells. Like yeah. when people yeah. when, when people talk about um, some of these production companies before they release uh, a new song, they literally do a ritual with the master track, and a lot of times they're like. Um, well, it's said that you, in order to be like that famous, you have to kill somebody, record it. And then that is part of whatever the song is. But there's a lot of like 17th century violinists that supposedly sold their soul to the devil. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm just talking about modern, but if music is, can be a spell that you can put people under and influence then you know it was just a smaller scale back then right like yeah. you, it was just one dude playing for a crowd to influence versus millions and millions of people now you're making my brain hurt the devil likes the fiddle yeah he loves it we say we were singing uh that uh <laughs> charlie went down the georgia they, in the car, car. <laughs> <laughs> it <was fun. laughs> but um but yeah, I mean, you got to think about it too. The population in the sixth century was what at most a hundred million people. So the percentage that like uh, violinists would have been able to touch or a deacon or the pope or anybody well, like that would have been pretty much on scale with a percentage of like a social media star today. I don't think people well, and the... what I'm thinking, I'm sorry, Tully. No, you're fine. What I'm thinking, what I'm thinking is, any time any other musician played or sang the song, it would be leaving that spell. Yeah, giving energy towards it. Um, something has changed though, because you know it used to be that you could just, like the people way back when, you just made the deal, you got whatever you asked for, and that was that until you had to, you know, I guess pay up. But now not only do they have to, you know, agree to some terms, but there's also these like um shaman rituals that they have to go through. Like, I mean, if you look look at all of them, it usually anybody that's about to blow up, either somebody around them dies. Uh, somebody they care about dies or they have to do something like shameful themselves. Um, So I don't know what the deal is there to where like they just, they have to keep doing stuff unless, you know, maybe the deals ain't for their souls always. That's true. I mean, 
it's it's hard to say because like i would think that now it's probably easier if you find the right people to actually sell your soul like because you know it's word of mouth over years like like this like theo for instance he had to find a necromancer so I, I imagine that there's still necromancers probably in the music industry, the movies industry, and things like that. But where do you get a necromancer school? Necromancer, what are you talking about? Like somebody that can summon the devil, speak with the dead. They probably call it something different. Yeah, I would suspect now. I assume it's called producer. Ooh. <laughs> huh. But anyway, there was a there was one time I think Tolly Ma said it where. You, you reach a certain level of influence and then when you go in they're like now to gather more influence you have to do this and yeah it's like it's like a drug dealer like they'll give you a little bit for free and then whenever you're ready to pop off is when they'll ask you to do whatever it is yeah so the first instance of selling your soul to at the crossroads i could find is a legend it wasn't really a person but it was a legend by a guy named faust f-a-u-s-t he was a scholar he attempted to take his own life and he called for the devil devil in this instance to actually gain more knowledge and magical powers mesosophocles yeah and so this this story right here is just basically him going to a crossroads selling his soul and it actually influenced one of my favorite little short stories the devil and daniel webster oh yeah you know, whenever he so, whenever old Mister Scratch comes to make a bargain. <laughs> so if you, I would suggest reading that. That's actually a good little story. Have you ever read that, Tolly? Mm-mm. It's a little short. I don't story. think so. I think I did in school. Maybe there's movies about it. I've never watched a movie about it, but um, there's an episode of uh, ain't there an episode of Supernatural where Daniel Webster? I believe so. Comes to defend somebody or something? I think so. I might be wrong on that, but that's That's just a legend, though. It's apparently from Germany and influenced everything else, but that's one of the first known ones. Now, on the quick kick, we have a Pope Sylvester II. He's apparently a Pope that sold his soul. So, soul. He was a prominent and skilled scholar as well and scientist in his lifetime who studied mathematics, astrology, and the Muslim cities of uh, Cordobia and Seville. According to legend, he was speared by William of Miles Malmesbury and Cardinal Benno. Sylvester II had also learned sorcery. He used a book of spells stolen from an Arab philosopher. He had a pact with a female demon called Mary Diana who appeared at after he had been rejected by his earthly love and with whose help he managed to ascend to the pope throne where did this book come from this ain't a book you said oh. something about a Ara- arabic oh he's arabic yeah he stole a book of spells from a Ara- arabian philosopher i wonder why that would be relevant because that's how he summoned the devil essentially i would imagine I wouldn't imagine Christianity being prevalent in that society. I mean, to my knowledge, though, you know, we call it the devil. But, I mean, in other religions, they have, like, the Antichrist, don't, do they not? Oh, yeah. There's the, the man of many names that I was talking about. He's in almost every religion. 
Yeah. So, I mean, who's to say that there's one set religion that this demon or something comes from that you can sell your soul to? Like other religions, honestly, all religions kind of tie together. So there's probably one main religion with its own set of demons and things like that, that we know them by that could be called something completely different. See, we, we missed the the bus, you know, back when you could buy grimoires and stuff like that off of eBay in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> eBay used to be awesome. You used to be able to get haunted dolls. Yeah. You still can on Facebook Live or Facebook <laughs> Marketplace. <laughs> I'd love to get a haunted doll. Um, That'd be great. We bought, a, yeah, we bought, we bought that, um, what's the doll's name? Annabelle. Like a doll just like Annabelle. Raggedy Ann and Andy. Yeah, it's a Raggedy um, Ann doll that looks just like Annabelle. And they're not even haunted. They're not even haunted. I have, however, <laughs> scared the shit out of myself walking in there in the dark and seeing that damn thing sitting there. I like people's reactions when they come over. Like, what? Why? <laughs> Why is this here? Um. So, so I mean, there's a chance that, like, all your great conquerors and stuff, even in the BC air, could have sold their soul to a form of a demon. Like Genghis Khan. Uh, well, I think the he got the, a lot put sad. He did do that. <laughs> I think the Pope was compromised from the beginning. It very well could have started with this Pope because he reigned from on well, he was alive from nine forty six to a thousand three. And then you have the Black Pope. Yeah, the one well, who's who's really in charge. So I mean, it's and you know who's to say that that's not the devil could be yeah it really could be the codex gs um so according to medieval legend associated with the codex gs you ever seen that book yeah it looks insane it's huge too it is it is huge well the scribe was a monk who broke his monastic 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 vows and was sentenced to be walled up alive in order to avoid his harsh penalty, he was promised to create in one night a book to glorify the monastery forever, including all of human knowledge. Near midnight, he became sure that he could not complete the task, of course. I mean, nobody can do that. So he made a special prayer, not, not addressed to God, but the fallen angel, Lucifer. The devil. The devil. Asking him to help finish the book in exchange for his soul. The devil completed the manuscript and the monk added the devil's picture out of gratitude for his aid. This book is huge. And I think it is in what we refer to as the vault of the Vatican. Is it not? I think it is. Um, I think the depiction is hilarious, though. Because I, I think that he wants people to think that he looks like that, though. Because, I mean, if you if you read anything about traditionally what Lucifer looked like, he was the prettiest of all angels, is what it says. Not not like a horned serpent. Well, they changed um, a lot of that because of the pagan gods to make it look like them. And Bacchus was a, um, I think he was like a fawn which has got the little horns and stuff. So that just kind of made the devil into everything Yeah. when they were taking over the world. I think it's crazy that um, wow. the book is so big because we, you know, we talk about giants a lot. I've seen libraries with books this big and, and even bigger, 
which leads the devil leads me <laughs> to believe that um looks like a fun little creature. <laughs> well, back then, I mean, they were handwriting everything. And often it would be more than one monk that was, you know, writing the book. So it would have to be big to accommodate the size of the people. Yeah. Or there were giants. <laughs> or there were giants. I don't believe in the giant aspect of it more than anything. Um, the giants are really... I mean, there were giants. There's there no- were definitely giants. Maybe maybe not reading the codex, though. If you've done any type of research in your entire life, even though they say in any mainstream form, there weren't no giants. There's gi- There were giants. Like There were people that were well over 10 feet tall that lived on this earth. You used to be able to see skeletons in a museum up until, I don't know, maybe the 70s or 80s. Yeah. These people, people, the human race range from teeny tiny up to huge. Not, I know it to be fact. Just like the, just like anything else, like that. Like last night when we were talking, like the other night when we were talking about the fae, they range in size. It's like a species thing. Like, I believe that there was a, any kind of creator would have created multiple size species to see which ones thrived the best. And well, we the, the elven she were like six and seven foot tall. Exactly. And um, when I talked with um, the lady from Iceland, she was talking about the, the elves that people think they're little, but they're really like six and seven feet tall. That's a big old whale. That's a big one. <laughs> Could you imagine, like, have you seen the pictures of the flying people that people have, like, videos of flying people? Like Jetpack Man? No, just people flying. Like there's videos of people like wearing... on broomsticks. No, not even broomsticks. Yeah, I haven't seen videos of people flying. There's oh. videos of people flying, and it's just people flying. I, I think that might be like a fae or something. If I could find one, I would. it's usually during daytime. Which who's to say that vampires can't go out in day because there's always some kind of falsehood added to anything. Well, there's. Yeah. I told you not to talk about my personal life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not to talk about you. Mandy, you... I mean, Mandy could be a vampire. Anytime she walks in the sun, she immediately burns. <laughs> I'm very fair, too, and I don't go out in the daytime. I enjoy the sun. People talk. People talk. <laughs> Cheers. I stay inside now. I stay dark. I don't know how that happens. Your room looks like a coffin. Yeah. <laughs> I like it dark in the house, too. I like it a lot. I like it a lot, a lot so I can see stuff. Lights hurt my eyes. That was my neighbor that came over. And I'm like peeking out the door. They don't realize if I open it that they're going to get bum rushed by the shepherds. Yeah. They're like that's that crazy lady that lives there and the, you want to know why i don't leave it's because if i moved to another town or something they'd think i was a witch and burn me uh, it's funny you mentioned witch and flying yeah. because i have a story story you got a little story i got a little story well, let's hear so 
there. Does it have anything to do with this? Yes, it has everything to do with this. <laughs> <laughs> I researched it and I'm proud. Oh, I'm proud of you for research. I'm proud. Good job. So, um, Antoine Rose, uh, the first female um, that I could find uh, from the 15th century who confessed under torture to regularly meet with the devil um yeah and um she's credited with our modern day image of a witch riding a broomstick uh rose who came to be known as the witch of savoy france i guess savoy france claimed that she had been destitute and in dire need of money so she was seeking uh help from her neighbor um and that led her to the devil basically um so it's funny um they rub some kind of lube on the on the broomstick and she was told to put it between her legs and say go in the name of the devil go and she flew this sounds like a this sounds like a uh antique antiquity pornographic materials situation maybe i'm actually i've read something similar about some of the um the heathen not necessarily witches but the the women that had the sight and stuff that they would do that kind of um ecstatic trance like stuff with um a branch which is where they think that the br- the broom came from, and that they basically would, um, yeah, similar, very similar. That's crazy. Good research. Good research. Thanks. <laughs> she found it. I job. love stuff like that, and, and this whole thing interests before. me anyway. I've never heard that story before, actually. So now we're getting into the musical influence. Now this did the first the first thing I could find about this was in the 1600s. And this guy didn't even really sell his soul. Um, it was Guispi. I can't even pronounce it. I can. I can do this. All right. Um, Giuseppe. Giuseppe. Tartini. Tartini. You're now, welcome. Now, basically, he just had a dream and the devil was in it. And he wanted to write a song so beautiful that the devil played him a song in this in his dream and when he woke up he rushed to write it down oh that is beautiful yeah it's called the devil's trill if you have a chance to listen to it it's actually pretty can dope. we play a clip of it no we cannot i'm getting set up to where we can start playing clips because when we get into the serial killers i'm going to start playing some interviews you got to be careful because of the copyright stuff uh, yeah you can only play certain amounts but that's the first one now the one that the famous one that's known as the first person to sell their soul is Niccolo Nicola Pagini, the devil's violinist. <laughs> There's no story of actually how he sold his soul. It's just considered by a lot of people they did because the way that he played was so supernatural and so skillful that like only a person who sold their soul to the devil could have done that. And what with Pagini, he he knew the he knew the rumors and everything and he did nothing to dispel them so he just kind of went with it like being a dark individual i would imagine him being like uh 
you remember in the early 2000s all the emo bands and how all the kids walk around like yeah i'll smoke cigarettes and drink coffee and cut myself that's probably how he was <laughs> i'm going to be the bearer of bad news on this one they kind of did research on him and he had some kind of like mutation at birth that made his fingers like this long yeah he had really long fingers have you ever watched subspecies yeah. it's a vampire there's like several of them oh, yeah. um, his fingers are like, yeah that's what his fingers was like so the subspecies so the neck of a violin is about that long right this fool could grip the whole thing like first index finger on the first fret pinky like past the bottom so that's how he was so virtually he was capable it. of playing three octaves across four strings yeah. in a hand span i don't know if you if you're a musician like you know that's impressive so, <laughs> it, it seems impressive so you think he really didn't sell his soul he was just really good I think he was just really good and had to, like, think about the guitar players you know that are just phenomenal. Their fingers are, like, 15 inches long. Like, it's insane. Like, they can they can fret from the first fret to the 12th, some of them. Like, it's insane looking. I will say the best guitar players I know are double-jointed. Yeah. So he probably had that, too, in addition to these alien fingers. Yeah. So this brings us to the one of the most famous 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 robert johnson who apparently sold his soul does anybody want to tell the tale of robert johnson i know everybody uh, here hadley should tell it because she's from, from mississippi there. i think she should tell it I could robert it. johnson really sucked at playing the guitar and he disappeared and he came back and he was t- i mean he had been playing around for a while and all the guys just made fun of him all these old blues guys and um he disappeared for a little while and he came back and he was really good i mean he was better than the best of them Badass. and rumor had it that he had made a deal at the crossroads and you can go to those crossroads today that's actually closer to where um morgana grew up than where i did but i've been out there um it's in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of a cotton field. And um, they say that blues man go there to this day to make a deal. That's awesome. That is awesome. If you stand there like at midnight or 3 or 3 a.m., I can't remember how it goes, but um, you'll feel a tapping on your shoulder. I want to go there. I do too, for some reason. Road trip. <laughs> um, well, if I remember right, I think the devil ended up tuning his guitar for him and robert johnson's also known for like tunings that had never before been used yeah i mean it was phenomenal and he again i think he was what 27 when he died yeah the first member of the 27 club yeah but um but yeah it's really interesting and i wish i had my notes and i would have shown y'all um i would have told y'all the like the whole story but it's um phenomenal no, there, yeah, is, there is the difference i think one one of the things that's weird about that case is that it it was hellhounds that came to get him and not just him dying or something like so the thing with robert got, he, i mean it was over a woman didn't he get 
Well, that's what some people say. Um, some people say he was poisoned by a scorned lover, a man or whatever. But, I mean, Robert Johnson, he was one of those people that when he came back, it would have been no big deal, like, if he came back and he just jammed out the place. But almost every song he had was talking about the devil, hellhounds, had some reference to hell. Yeah, um, I actually just finished that story up for the Horror Writers, Inc. Um, anthology, and I've used some of the stuff in it. He. And if you listen to him play now, it's still jams. Like it's like wow, you know, it's it's got that old kind of like like you know, just old timey music feel to it, but still I mean, I don't know anybody that can play it properly. And the tuning that they say he put in, to my knowledge, still hasn't been replicated. Yeah, I, I, I don't know about that part, but I do know that it was something that had never been used before. So that's something that I got real interested in when I was younger. I, I looked for that tune in like, and what sucks is there's no video of him. The only thing there is, is I don't even know. He might have like what? 26, 27 songs. I'm not for sure. He didn't have a whole lot of songs recorded. And, but if there had been a video, somebody could have figured it out. There's a guy that lives probably in your area heavily that actually says he knows the tune in. And whenever he play, whenever he tunes it up, he won't let anybody watch him. Huh. I believe it. Yeah. But he can't yeah, I'm play. telling y'all, Mississippi, it's different. Especially out um, in the Delta, where all that supposedly happened. Tune in next time as we get more modern with the packs with the devil and cover some of your favorite artists that I particularly don't like some of them, but we'll talk about them anyway. Um, so, Hadley, what does weird have going on right now? <laughs> Goodness, we've got so much. Um, we've got ongoing Weird Awakenings every Friday night at, what is it, 7 Central, 8 Eastern. Yep. And that's with our good friend from Where in the Folk and Mr. Stephen Hill. Um, we also have Watching Weird every Thursday, and that's, that's it. We're doing um, our Fringe FM stuff on Fringe, and that is Fridays at 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific, I think. Is that right? Does that add up? Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and um, I'm working on two books, trying to get one done, hopefully in the next two weeks. And then the next one, I'm trying to get them both released for publication in October. But anyway, you know where to find us. We're everywhere. Um, videos can be found and anywhere that audio can be found. So if you're watching right now, you obviously you know. So thank you for watching us and tune in next time because we're watching you bye bye guys yeah.